0: SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents.
1: Every eight minutes and 57 seconds, roughly, a person dies from fentanyl-related overdoses. If a commercial plane crash with 175 people every single day, that would be news but it's not noticed because they're marked off as addicts.
2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Bullseye Nuclear, Empowered to Change's first episode of Empowering the Voiceless to Speak. We want to give a space to hear from our guests that have lived experiences, and today's topic that we're going to talk about is the real pandemic, and that is fentanyl. So I want to introduce my first guest, Matt Jenkins. I have known this young man for a couple of years now, and I have mad respect for him. So I want to give him the floor because he has – uh, I'm real excited about what he is going to share today and not just his lived experience and what fentanyl and how fentanyl, the pandemic, the real pandemic has affected his life, but how it's affected the Tampa Bay area and abroad. Matt, welcome and thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Shelley, and thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Um, again, my name is Matt Jenkins. Um, I am an addict in recovery. Uh, I was in Empowered to Change uh, a few different times, um, graduated successfully out of drug court in 2018, um, and have now made my way to find a life without the use of substances. Um, a little bit of background about me, um, I'm from South Carolina originally, and in that area, uh, still to this day, uh, recovery is not a really big thing. You don't hear a lot about it. And we'll kind of touch on that later. Uh, but at 14 years old, I was um, an IV drug user. Um, I had found the hole to fill my void, um, with substances. Um, at that time, fentanyl was not really prevalent yet. It had not hit the streets. Um, I was using a list of substances, um, but the substances that I was getting were those substances. Um, another key point I will touch on, uh, essentially through my lifetime, um, I have gone through many treatment centers institutions, jails. Um, I've had many times where, uh, the abuse of drugs should have been fatal for me. And I am lucky enough to be here to try to give a voice to the people that didn't get that opportunity. Um, so speaking on a few things, wow. Uh, you know, fentanyl, Uh, I can't even tell you that is my biggest enemy. Um, today, It is something that is now just being noticed, but it's been very big on the street since 2012, 2013. Um, I remember when it first touched down and they were saying what it was and how it was this stronger substance and it was just so great. However, um, they left all the dark parts out
3: Hmm.
1: and the dark parts come with robbing you of your life. Um, And if you are so lucky to live, through using. It comes with misery. It comes with you losing who you are, losing your family, your loved ones, the bridges that you may have built are already built for you. You will burn them to the ground and you won't even know what you're doing. You will be so blindsided by this poison. Yeah, That is addiction in a sense to me. That is something that is a loss of choice when I put it into my body and I am unable to stop. I continue to use and I will inactive addiction hurt anybody or anything to get to what I need to get. And I am somebody that comes from a middle-class family, uh, very good parents, uh, raised me very right. And like I said, at 14, I was an IV drug addict. Now, in my town, back in Pawleys Island, South Carolina, you wouldn't really see a lot of addicts. Um, People really didn't understand. So I moved to Florida and A few mistakes led me to uh, meet Shelly. And from that point, I can tell you that a lot has changed. I can tell you that I've learned and I've grown, but I can also tell you that everything around me has not. Hmm. Um, And when I say that, I mean the fact that I turn on, let's say, just for an example, I turn on the news. I see things about the pandemic, about COVID-19. I see about the amount of deaths, the totality and fatalities of everything that is happening. Yet, I look around my phone on my Facebook and I see obituary after obituary of kids, children, teenagers, adults, fathers, husbands, wives, daughters. The list goes on of people that are passing from addiction. Now, it, it was just a thing to me where I thought it was just the addicts. But ever since this fentanyl came abroad, it has changed and made such a huge shift in the way the drugs are being used today. Mm -hmm. Um, A few points with that, meaning, you know... Kids these days are going out and they're trying to buy things such as Xanax, Adderall, maybe to get through a test. Uh, you know, a benzo because they're anxious, or maybe even an opiate, a, um, a Percocet or an oxycodone of some sort, and they're laced with fentanyl. and They're dying. Yeah. These are these are kids. It's happening one time. Um, and they're know?
2: not addicts. Is that what you're saying? They're
1: not. They're not. They are. They are people from all walks of life. Right. People in college, kids in high school, even in middle school. There are parents, lawyers, doctors, you know, and people don't want to believe that addiction or even substance use can touch their family, but I'm here to tell you that it can, and it will if you're not careful. And that's what essentially I feel is so important about doing this, is there's so many groups right now spreading awareness, yet I see so many families losing their kids and saying, how did this happen? I didn't even know fentanyl existed. Right. And that's what gets gets on my nerves. That's what gets under my skin is why, why do I even have to explain?
2: Well, and you know, a question I have is how early do you think is um, appropriate to give awareness? What, what is your vision there? Because is it, um, are we, are we saying that elementary school kids, I mean, I heard in the news that they were candy laced with fentanyl to give it you know, some type of kick. I heard that in a in a news report in Texas that there were um, that there was marijuana laced with fentanyl. So what what is happening here? And the the level of and the frequency, Matt, of people dying. I mean, you and I we've we've lost a handful of people just in the last few months.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know, it's uh, it's it's been uh, three people in the last week. Um, have passed uh, Mm -hmm. directly related to fentanyl. They were all under the age of 29. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I am a father of a beautiful six-year-old girl. And I can tell you that I'm not anyone to give, you know, parental advice. um, But I can say that I don't think it's ever too early to let these kids know the full side of addiction. It's not just do not use drugs because that's just merely a, a fraction of the problem. Right. It's not when they use drugs. It's after they mm-hmm. use the drug. They pick up the substance. These kids don't know that they go out and they pick up a party and next thing it's a habit. They turn into these weekend warriors. And if you don't know what that means, it means someone that uses strongly on the weekends but is
2: functional, functional during
1: the week. You know, And then that turns into a full-time addiction because that's what happened to me. I was just a kid trying to fit in, just wanted to experience something. And next thing I know, I was a full-blown addict at 15, struggling how to make it through ninth grade because I was going through withdrawal.
2: And your your parents didn't have any ideas. They no. So did it start with, I can tell you, I know a young man who started taking Adderall so that he could, he thought that he would be a better baseball player. I mean, and, and parents have no clue. Yeah.
1: It's, right? You know, and... Uh, as somebody that came from, I guess you could say, yeah, I, I uh, I'm guilty of manipulating my parents, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, I, I would say that, I, I, I hid the signs. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing is that even when addicts recover, we do tend to hide the true signs of what it looks like when somebody's using. You know, and. I, I did my best to hide it. And I, I believe there were times that my family, you know, had suspicions. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely, you know, looking back, wish that n- overall I was given a different perspective and different view on what drugs really meant. Yeah. It didn't mean we're partying on the weekends, we're fitting in. It didn't mean I'm drinking alcohol so I can talk to a girl. You know, it it comes with this long line of, this misery, this theft, this stealing, and everything else, and that it eventually leads to what we're talking about, and that's the fentanyl.
2: So a question I have for our parents that might be listening, parents of elementary school kids, parents of middle school, um, single mothers of high school students, what would you tell them? What would you say, what signs should they look for? If they're stressed out, studying for a test, they're up all night, you know, what What would you say to look at some of the warning signs? So
1: I would really, you know, th- there's a lot of physical signs. Um, okay. You know, you can have the broken out face. Um, if they're IV drug users, they're typically wearing long sleeves, the weight loss, um, you know, the paleness of the skin, the bagginess under the eyes, the fatigue. Um, those are all signs. But really, I think if I could, I would say that parents should really focus on the emotional side of where their kids are, where their self-esteem is, where their self-worth is. Are they fitting in with their friends? Are they happy? Are they happy with what they're doing? Do they feel that they're under pressure? Because these are all things behind the scenes that the kid, like me, goes back into the room and says, how can I fix this? Or Mm -hmm. how can I stop from feeling this way? Or how can I be this to show my parents I really can be something, you know? And these, there's so many reasons. I mean, the list just can go on and on of why a kid could pick up that first substance. But what we, what I want to do is to try to get the message out there to parents to let these kids know at an early age because the drugs are getting offered earlier and earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kids that are getting them get them, and then they sell them to younger kids, and the younger kids sell them to younger kids.
2: And they're killing at one time. Yes, use.
1: yes, and they are. reality. that's the thing is that now it's not – they're not getting these prescription medications. They're right. getting cartel – Pressed fentanyl-laced exact replica of prescription medication that mm. j- even a pharmacist could hardly tell the difference. Right. And it, kids are taking it and it's killing them. And it's just at a point where, you know, when, you, when you're when you losing uh, literally, I mean, 15 people a month. And it's the, you know, just for a fun fact, the leading cause of death for men and women under the age of 45 and under, mm-hmm. that's insane to me. That is. You know, the, where, where is, where's the coverage on this? Right. Um, You know, where's the stories? Because I see so many stories and I see, I do, I see the open borders. You know, that, that's something that's starting to pop up on the news. But what I don't see is these kids that are dying and their families that are having to grieve. And I, you know, there's tons and tons of great nonprofits and like awareness and advocates or organizations out there that, you know, or out there to try and put a halt on addiction and everything else. But yeah. I feel like when I go to, you know, when I go to uh, parents that I guess their kids did good through school and now they're out of college and they're having issues with substances now, and now it's even way more dangerous than it was when I used to use substances. Right? Um, they're coming to me and they're trying to figure out what to do because they're scared of their child passing through fentanyl. And it's... It's...
2: It's, it's devastating. Yes, and I want to press in. I don't want to gloss over something that you said. I want to really press into the uncomfortable. Um, when you mention cartel, all right, I want to. I want to talk more about that. I want to talk about um, how COVID uh, actually magnified the drug issue. Uh, I can only share um, what I saw in my lived experiences here in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. when COVID happened. I know our organization that provides safe housing and programs for uh, trauma survivors, and you can put trauma on, you know, whatever that looks like. Yes. But I know that in March of 2020, when everything shut down in, inside of four days, we, um, our organization, we were, um, we were at max capacity. And we had still people that were waiting for a bed. We had a dozen people waiting for a bed, but everything shut down. And so you fast forward six months, okay, and you know, maintaining um, people in the healing process and encouraging them, listen, life happens, left field happens, pandemics happen. How do we deal with that? But then dealing with the societal uh, fallout, if you will on COVID when all of a sudden um, people were dying on the streets. Whereas, and I don't know um, your particular story, and if if you know being arrested actually saved your life, I know that other people yeah. said that being arrested saved their life, right? Yeah. And then they got a chance to detox and they got ordered into a program comparable to ours or to us.
1: You're saving my life.
2: And then, and and we're honored that that's the whole purpose, empowering the broken to heal. However, when COVID happened and there was shutdowns in the jail and there was, you know, I noticed, and you can even see the stats, that the arrests were different, okay? People that normally got pulled over or normally got arrested. And there's, listen, there was no book on COVID pandemic 101. So there's no, I'm not pointing a finger or blaming anyone here, but I'm saying the reality was, fewer arrests and people were legit dying on the street i I, want to talk about that about covid and then the fallout and then you talked about borders and where is this massive fentanyl coming from and
1: yeah and i so with with covid covid is a big topic also because like i did a little research right just just quick google search is very simple you can look like uh for example uh covid and 2020 to December 2021, there was $150 billion for the CARES Act, um, $8.3 billion for government agencies to respond to COVID-19. Uh, there was another $931 billion given in stimulus. Um, and that's since 2020. And then you look at our border and you look at fentanyl abuse and all that. Uh, it says that the Biden administration has given $1.5 billion to help the opioid crisis, um, and another bill that includes 1.7 billion for federal substance abuse prevention and treatment. Um, that's the one that's more typical to helping the addicts. Hmm. Um, let's just take one number: 931 billion um, in 18 months, and then we look at two, 3.2 billion. Um, you can see where their focus is, um, and then with the open borders—it's—it's it's very clear to see. I mean, I—I'm—I try to keep the addiction out of the politics, but it's become so close to each other that it's insane. Yeah. Um, It's—you you see the open border. The fentanyl is being rushed through these borders. It is clear as day. Um, They—I mean, every single day they say how we caught this much fentanyl at the border. We caught this much fentanyl at the border. We have this much gotaways. But where is it coming from and everything else? They're finding it in candy. Like kids, they're finding mm-hmm. it in, pressed in every pill. Um, and now with the COVID shutdown, like you were talking about, and the fentanyl being pushed in to mm-hmm. our country, it has left addicts, a lot of addicts, in a very bad place, and a lot of people, in particular, mm-hmm. in a bad place because it's not just addicts anymore. Um, it, like you said, the the people that were homeless, they remain homeless. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of stuff they 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 did not get, you know. The fun or things weren't open and are operational to let them come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you had them, people depressed, isolated, locked indoors, and unable to get to meetings, unable to get to these routines that help them um, cope with, or even a sudden a sudden shift in everyday life where somebody's now having to live behind closed doors um, in fear for their safety is a very easy way to pick up a bad habit. And when your only solution is to reach out and the substances that you're getting, it doesn't even matter what you're getting. It's all laced with fentanyl. Marijuana now on the streets has fentanyl in it. Yeah. You're, it's, we have weapons of mass destruction in our neighborhoods, poisoning our entire youth and killing them. And nobody is hardly like getting a bath. Nobody's
2: screaming about yeah, it. Yeah. No
1: one's screaming. There's people talking, but I don't know why people aren't yelling. I don't know why I don't hear people screaming. Wilding out profanity everywhere, honestly, because look at it. It's killing our youth. It's taking families away. It's ripping families apart. And the funding is going to something that really is. You don't see the results. You no. see all those
2: billions of dollars. Then yeah. why is everybody still dying? Yeah. yeah. What is happening? And, and,
1: and it's, it's like. You put so much money into funding medication um, and the COVID vaccines. And, yeah. you know, they're so adamant about let's get the booster. Let's get this. Let's get that. Let's get Narcan in every car. Let's start getting Narcan administration in, you know, yeah. teaching people how to save each other's lives. Because if we don't come together as a community um, and community speaking as our entire country come together in your community of all walks of life, then this is just going to increase because it's, it stops where we start, mm-hmm. in my belief. And it's, it gets me shaking sometimes because the aggravation inside me, because I know what families are going through right now, every eight minutes and 57 seconds, roughly a person dies from fentanyl related overdoses. This does not include prescription pills, methamphetamines, benzodiazepines. Um, This does not include alcoholism. There's roughly 175 people die that every day. Now, if a plane crashed, okay, if a commercial plane crashed with 175 people every single day, that would be news. They would stop airports, there would be investigations, there would be lawsuits, there would be things going out the wazoo, people couldn't even, they couldn't get away from it, it'd be worse than COVID. Right. But it's not noticed because they're marked off as addicts. But guess what, everybody? (laughs) Let me be the first one to tell you these people aren't addicts. The last few people that I've lost in the last week were not addicts. (laughs) They were normal people, living a good life, college graduates, just starting their life.
2: Tell me about that. What how, you know, if you can.
1: Um, I, so, out of the family's respects, you know, um, I will obviously keep the name. But you know, he he was twenty eight years old. Um, graduated out of College of Charleston. Um, a star football player. Uh, you know, he broke almost every record in weightlifting in our school. He was an overall athlete. He was an amazing person. He was one of those people that brings joy in life to the room. I honestly, you know, I sat there and I thought. He probably could honestly sit in front of a camera and God in himself and say, I've never wronged anyone because he was that kind of person. And, you know, he was my best friend up until 14 when I steered away to substance use. And, um, you know, he got in a fight with his girlfriend. Hmm. An argument over relationship stuff, very minuscule stuff. And he wanted to take just a little bit of weight off his shoulders. But the weight that he took off his shoulders turned out to take his life, and it was fentanyl. And it was a, from my understanding, a fake oxy um, is what is the best report we've gotten so far. I'm so sorry. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry, too, because, you know, I, I've been through a lot of loss, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, I, I can say that fentanyl has taken every single person I grew up with, every last one. Wow. Um, all of middle school, high school, college friends, took them all. But it's it's just gotten to a point where it's so grave that parents and adolescents alike start to open their eyes and say, okay, I'm not using drugs. People are trying to poison me. Right. It's, it's
2: it's that's that's the horrifying that's
1: the whole thing reality right there it's you're you're paying lacing it with
2: candy saying. lacing it with um THC gummies you know um and it's and, horrifying and
1: what and what really scares me about that is in in a, in a cartel's mind i don't see where the the money um really goes up with mixing fentanyl in with prescription pills maybe to sell more of them to pass it off because people are necessarily big with the fentanyl, right? But you know, then it also you look. Why is it looking like candy? Why is it looking like these things? Well, maybe because,
2: right? It, it's it's well, and like the an question I have is, it almost seems like, and you know, I understand yeah. that the things that we're talking here, they're uncomfortable, they're controversial. Um, there's, but it almost looks like population control, yes. to me, because drug dealers who's supplying. Who's supplying them and what is the mandate? And listen, I am just, we want to give a voice. We want to change the face of what a convicted felon looks like. We want to change the face of what an addict looks like because the cultural response is, oh, that's just an addict. No, that's a son. That's a best friend. That's a father. That's somebody who had some form of trauma Correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been wrong many times, but some form of trauma that they wanted to roll the dice on using a substance to self-medicate that pain. Okay, so what that says to me as a citizen of this country, what that says to all of us in this community is that we have to come up with something better. We have to care enough. We have to love enough. We have to dig in, roll up our sleeves and say, okay, what's going on? What is the pain here? How can we help you? How can trauma therapy is something is real. It takes more than overnight, right? It took, it was what? Years for you.
1: Uh, Longer than, yeah. Uh, But we have to change
2: this, um, stereotype, Yes. About what an what is an addict? And there's nobody you know, it's almost like, oh, that's just an addict. We we throw those people away. What? No, we don't.
1: And I could not agree with you more because that is a huge stereotype that is so widely like just taken the wrong way. Like even alcoholics, mm-hmm. if someone dies from alcoholism, you see more you see more sympathy and yeah. compassion mm-hmm. than if it was an addict. I know. But you're right. These addicts are sons. These addicts are fathers. They're sisters. They are mothers. They are me. Yeah. They are the people that, you know, I, I really, I think that it might be almost rare at this time and this day to meet somebody who can honestly say they have not at all been affected by addiction. Like no one, no one in their has ever. I, I feel like that's gotta be a very small number. It has to be. Um, but it's just time where something has to absolutely change Communities have to come together. Um, You know, there's got to schools have to start coming together. You know, they they have to educate people on things. I I learned everything from drugs from the streets. I really hope schools start to learn to teach kids about drugs in school more than just say don't do drugs, because that is honestly just a green light to go do it. The don't do drugs slogan. I'm sorry. Uh, I believe it was Reagan. It's not working um, we need to be louder. We need to be more involved. We need to be more hands-on in my opinion. We need so many things, but it it starts with small voices that want to be loud. And then that creates large groups. that want to be loud. And then that creates change. And I feel that in this time, if, if there is not a huge dramatic shift in where we are, then there will be somebody else doing a podcast just like we are right now, but there's going to be a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. And Yes, we want that, but we don't want that in the purpose because somebody lost somebody. Right. We want it in the purpose to prevent somebody to lose it. Let's stop looking at treatment or, yeah, treatment. Let's stop looking at addicts in a treatment at a catastrophic level. Let's stop trying to fix the problem once they've used the substance. How about let's start preventing it maybe? Yes. Let's, the preventative treatment. Let's start educating what addiction looks like, what long-term addiction looks like, what short-term addiction use of the wrong substance looks like, you know, these kids aren't walking around with fentanyl kit, anarkin, and a guidebook that says, this is how you use drugs safe, right? They're rebellious against their parents with groups of kids using substances at parties or to fit in or alone, right? You know, and I I think that there, there just needs to become a new understanding of where parents can have an open conversation. Um, with their children without getting extremely upset and without the kid getting upset and having a comfort level of understanding and explaining the severity that this is now life or death you do not have to be an addict to die from fentanyl you can be somebody that was just driving by and happened to use something one day it takes one time and I promise no one is invincible somebody that might be watching this podcast that might be an active addiction I promise you are not invincible I'm telling you that because I've overdosed four times and the only reason I am here is because I had somebody around me with Narcan and that was by the grace of God I should not be here and I'm promised myself, um, and all of my loved ones that I've lost and all of the ones that will lose their life that I am going to live the rest of my life to try and be a voice to that. Because if, if I'm not hearing it, then somebody's not loud enough. Mm -hmm. And that's just my overall opinion, you know, And, and, and here in Tampa, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. It's crazy in my small town in Pawleys Island, South Carolina. Okay, now you bring this to the, the pill-pushing capital of the country, right here in Tampa Bay, Florida. Mm-hmm. Somebody's dying. Uh, I mean, obviously, like say every nine minutes, but literally, I mean, people we know, people I lived with, people I housed with, people we worked with, um, loved ones, normal people, addicts, all walks of life, you know, um, these things don't discriminate. And I, I, I truly believe that if communities start to just come together to understand that, that void is fillable without substance use, mm-hmm. then we can knock two birds out with one stone. There we can go. stop the production of fentanyl simply by stop purchasing it, by helping these kids avoid ever having to go through that traumatic experience mm-hmm. or the traumatic experience that might cause them to go through the addiction.
2: And you know, you bring up an excellent point because while... Um, Narcan saved your life, and you know I there's I am so thankful that that was there. You wouldn't be here right now speaking, and um, grateful for that. Um, but what you, to your point of getting to the heart of the matter and preventative before and educating these precious young people that that fentanyl and drug use is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's masked with a fun time, it's masked with a high, it's masked with a quick, um, you know, what you do with friends at a party, but then it cannot be controlled. And getting that word out, and you also touched on parents to create a safe space for their kids. I mean, what I have heard over and over for the last eight years, that I've been doing this directly, but when I was even in communications and in law enforcement, it boils down to um, the young person wants to make their parents proud. They want to perform. They want to not let them down. And whatever standard, they didn't meet it. So how are they going to deal with that, quote, disappointment or, or thought that their parents are disappointed? And parents, that's what I, I'm a mom. And really, the pressure that parents, that we don't even realize that maybe we put on them, teachers, society, of, of performance-driven, okay? And then not knowing what to do. Failing is part of life. And, the, and we need to understand that you have to have a safe place to land and it's okay. It's okay to fail that test. It's okay to not be up all night and take something, right? And um, do your best and not get the best in the scheme of life. That is not, that is not, it means jack right but then if we do not create a safe space to have these conversations with our young people to say listen you're free to fail you're free to mess up and i love you no matter what you have a daughter right and to to come and let's have this conversation and there's no repercussions of it and i can tell you i've i've learned a lot as a parent and i i've done a lot of things wrong as a parent and to speak in to even single moms, single dads that are working all the time, and they don't even have that emotional fortitude at the end of the day,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
2: That's where the breakdown happens, but that's where communities have to come together. And not just churches, yes, churches, but communities as a whole, nonprofits, people going, okay, instead of pointing a finger and judging why that person is not a, a good parent or why that person is an addict or whatnot, that we need to have a whole dose of understanding and love and non judgment, um, because that is what is going to help heal the hearts of people, and and I believe that.
1: I I I could not agree more. Um, you know that uh, very well said, Shaliham. <laughs> um, the the freedom to fail. Yeah. That was big. Yeah. Um, that's something that you know it it really is. It, I don't think. I don't think any parent ever notices the toll that it takes on the child. Um, and I don't think the child will ever necessarily try to be fully transparent of how that makes them feel. Right.
2: Well, they don't um, they might not have the mental capacity right, right. even. And they,
1: they, they might not even know how to approach the situation or mm-hmm. they might not even know what they're feeling, you know. For right. a long time I had a feeling inside me I could not put a finger on it. Right. I did not know what it was.
2: There's been a lot of good conversation here, and I believe that. Shining the light on lived experiences—that is what is true. And shining the light, you know, there's so much controversy um, that that swirls around. Okay, fentanyl that swirls around illegal drug use, and you know how it gets in here, how it's trafficked. Um, You know, it's almost like this supply and demand. Where I'm so thankful. I'm going to touch on Narcan again. I'm thankful for Narcan, but at the same time, I don't want. I'm just going to be transparent with you, Matt. As a parent, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm like, okay, I don't want to have Narcan just in case of the offset chance that you decide to do that. So just pressing into this uncomfortability yet, I'm thankful it was around because you're alive because of it. So it's, it's such a dichotomy of where do we go from here? How do we move forward? How do we make change that actually lasts and impact and I agree with you. It begins with prevention. It's getting in these schools. It's, it's this, you know, the noise, and I'm not trying to be all political and controversial about another topic. We can spend another podcast on that. <laughs> but there's such argument about books and what we're putting in them when we're completely, I, I, you know, and I'm not disagreeing about, you know, the, those arguments there. Children are so impressionable, okay? And to to talk about what they're going to face they're going to face. I was in the era of just say no. I just want to tell you. And I'm interested. I don't know the stats off off of my head. I can tell you, I remember Nancy Reagan and the promotion of just say no. Mm. And I'm going to tell you when it was handed to me, when I was at a concert at 15 years old and it was handed to me, all I could think of is no thank you. And that one little choice doesn't make me better. It was in my brain. It was talked to me when I was in elementary school. Just say no. Now, my parents expounded on that. And my, I remember my mom saying, you know, the thing about that is, is if you just take one, you're hooked. That scared the living daylights out of me. Mm-hmm. They're like, Shelly, you just take one. You just want to see what it's what it's like? You're going to be hooked. And that scared The crap
1: out of me. It's so true. It's it's that 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 old cliche saying: Narcotics Anonymous. One is too many, and a thousand is never enough. Mm -hmm. And it can never be so true. And you know, um, I was trying to touch on the the point of the you said the freedom to failure. It it, that would that's huge because um, you know kids these days they will never really truly. I feel I, I would never tell my parents. Listen, I'm feeling inferior. I'm feeling like I'm not being. What I should be—I'm not living up to what you your expectations. I Mm -hmm. let you down, and you know at the same time, I'm sure they never realized—or in even a hypothetical situation—the pressure they may be putting on me. Right. Um. When we're using me as this example. Okay. Um. So when you now have this pressure that's built inside of you, I mean, you just go straight to this void, this filling, this void, and the. It's, it's almost engraving kids like heads, even people that aren't addicts, um, when they go through something traumatic and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know a lot of people that will say their first thing is I need to escape from this. Right. Second thing is what will get me to escape from that. And the third thing is acting upon that. Now. I don't know statistics, but I'd say a good handful out of that time, they're going to say that that number two, that what will get that void, what will fill that void is going to be some kind of substance, whether it's alcohol, mm-hmm. whether it's an illicit substance. Yep. And, it, you know, it, it used to be different, but now it's it's one and done. You know, it's right. you, you don't get that second chance. This fentanyl is just it's coming in and it, it's taking lives. The fentanyl, the car fentanyl, mm-hmm. that's a whole other conversation. That's just right. toxic in itself too. But, I mean, it's where – there has to be this safe place and this understanding, and I think that it almost starts in each household
3: mm-hmm.
1: to have, have a as a family come together and then get a safe place to know that if you're feeling bad, it's okay. If you're if you're if you if if you failed like you said earlier, it's it's okay. It's yeah. okay to feel emotions and to feel sad or feel like you let somebody down or to fail and learn, you know, or to grow as we grow through what we go through, right, you know, the, the whole thing. I mean, it's if there is that safe place established, I truly believe that kids will come out more and say and talk to their parents about how they really feel mm-hmm. and in that sense can avoid the whole point of where they pick up the substance behind their parents' back. Right. And then always leads it's just it's leading to death. Ladies and gentlemen, now today, drugs is leading to death. One one and done. I I will tell you from being from the streets, from treatment centers, from jails, from living a very good life and a clean life. I can tell you that they're everywhere and it does not discriminate. It is touching everybody and it is killing everybody that touches it. So, you know, it's, it's just getting to the point where if, if everyone is not loud, then we will continue to lose people until everyone is loud. But why do we have to continue to lose people? We We should, we should start it now, now.
2: Yes. Two hours ago. I would love to have you back. And uh, there's a few other topics that I want to talk about. I want to talk about parents that are already, that are addicted to fentanyl. Parents that are, um, you know, you look at the systemic uh, decline. And that is certainly for another show. But I appreciate, I appreciate you, Matt. And I appreciate the courage that it takes to put yourself out there and to talk about a topic Because if it saves one life, if one parent, if one child, if one young person, if it's not too late, if anybody is drawing breath and you're still addicted or hooked to fentanyl, you certainly can give us a call and we will put um, our information at the end of this show. But get to a detox center. Don't give up. And I know your story, you said it took it took a few times around the mountain. It does. And by the grace of God, you're still breathing and you're alive and you've I see that you have come through and you're coming through and you want to take as many people through the other side, alive, sober, well, educated. And I commend you for that.
1: I, I, I truly appreciate that, Shelly. And I appreciate the opportunity of just being able to share a little bit about where I'm at and my story and uh, you know being able to be a voice for a few of the people that didn't make it. And like you said, for those that are actually still suffering from addiction, look, yeah, don't don't use. Don't pick up no matter what. I I know that's that thought in the back of your head, but I'm here to tell you you can get through it. It's just take it minute by minute. It doesn't even have to be day by day, hour by hour. Take it second by second. You can get through that. Get help, reach out, detox centers, whatever you can do because there is a life on the other side. And, you know, the grass, it gets green where you water it. Yeah. Remember that.
2: Oh, I like that. And your life does matter. So thank you um, for listening in. Thank you. It takes all of us to change our community one life at a time. And so Michelle Snyder, Empowered to Change with Bullseye Nuclear, we will catch you next time. Thank you.
0: Coming soon at the Central Park Performing Arts Center in Largo, Florida. The first annual Sol Win Women's Conference. Hear 20-plus inspiring speakers that will transform you, shift you into your divine path. Mark your calendars, ladies. June 21st to the 23rd. Three full days of fellowship, worship, encouragement, and supporting local female business owners. When your soul prospers, so will your health, your finances, and your
2: relationships.
3: I need a lot of time trying to figure it out. You're stronger than you think.
2: God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to understand the blessing
0: it's time to be healed in your soul know your true worth and be all you were beautifully and wonderfully made to be purchase your tickets now for this life-changing event at www.soulwindconference.com. are you feeling broken or lost are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women